0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Charlie Yates Needs a Record Deal, the only podcast not started out of a midlife crisis. Today we are joined by my father, Chuck Yates. Chuck Yates, why don't you tell us something about yourself? I'm not only a handsome okay, man. Okay, okay, okay. Why are we here today,
1: Chuck? GameStop. It's all about GameStop. GameStop, GameStop, what's that? <laughs> so I'm gonna bust you a little bit. Tuesday, as I'm saying to the audience, you screenshotted your Robinhood account which included GameStop or GameStop stock, and you texted it to me and you said, hey, Dad, see, it's not that tough to run a hedge fund.
0: Okay, yeah, busted, busted, I did.
1: And it's true, for the record. Nice. So tell everybody, what is GameStop? So kind of just, you know, because the audience out here, a bunch of energy folks, read all about it, hear all about it, and do it from the perspective of who you are. 18-year-old Robinhood trader, so... Come on, retail dude, tell us who, Tell us what it's about.
0: Yeah, 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 so the story begins in 1960 with the invention of Pong. Um, fast forward like 40 years, someone started a company somewhere that decided, hey, we're gonna sell video games to people. Uh, this company was successful for a while until people realized that it kinda really sucked to have a store only for video games because they didn't make very much money and they were kinda gross and run by generally good-hearted but kind of weird people, not gonna lie. That's true. Um, so at some point along the line, this company called Melvin Capital, or I don't even know, uh, they decided, hey, this company sucks, so we're going to sell all of it. And then they did. And then they were like, hey, this company really sucks. We think it's going to go completely bankrupt, so we're going to sell even more. So they sold, uh, I believe, 130% of the float. Um, there's kind of some some ambiguity around the numbers, particularly that retail investors have access to. So basically, this stock was super oversold. But at this time, this is about 2019.
1: Hold nobody on, let knew. me let me cut in real quick, just yeah, for yeah. the uh, for the listeners. So when you're selling oversold, that's shorting a stock, and the way that works is, you know, if there are 100 shares out there and you want to short it, and when you short it, you're selling it, taking the cash you have to borrow a a share from somebody, you sell it, you take the cash, and what you're hoping is that the stock price goes down over time, and you can buy that share back at a lower price and return it to the person you borrowed it from. So what you're basically saying is if there were 100 shares out there at GameStop, this hedge fund actually sold 130. So they borrowed, sold it, the person they sold it to, they borrowed it again and sold it again, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nobody knew this at the time, though. This was this was like twenty nineteen when these these positions were open. Um, so this this one guy on Reddit noticed this somehow. Um, still a bit of a mystery. Some people think he's a time traveler, um, and he took out fifty thousand dollars in options plays on this stock. So basically betting that this was going to go up massively um, in January twenty twenty one. So I believe yesterday that fifty thousand in options was worth thirty three million. Um, because gradually more people started to realize that the stock was massively over, oversold and they all bought in as well. So, this, this run up that we've seen so far uh, is just people buying in for the thought that these people are going to have to cover these shares and they're going to pay basically whatever we, we sell them for um, because so the, they have to.
1: So, the short squeeze basically, if it's over, if that 100 shares, 130 of them have been borrowed and sold. The person's gonna have to buy back a share at some point so if you buy one and hold one and don't sell it until they pay a higher price for you that's that's the short squeeze
0: yeah yeah yeah. and I know finance and oil people don't have much experience with squeezing things but <laughs> you 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 were born as
1: a child so all right moving on <laughs> moving on so okay so guy on reddit uh, they actually have outed who the guy is and uh supposedly he's a he's a priest. Oh really? Yeah, no, he's a he's a preacher religious of some sort and he's been uh, talking. Church of Mormon? Uh <laughs> I don't know. Scientology? I do not know that. Hmm. But uh anyway, yeah, supposedly he uh, he's come out and uh said he was doing it for the common man. I forget what his handle is. What is do you remember what his handle was? Um no anyway we'll find that so okay i barely know what the stock ticker is i'm not going to lie well yeah oh yeah no it is dfb um so anyway so we got the short squeeze reddit has it gone are you on that site um no i'm i'm not a reddit user Okay, doke but the um
0: what's it called again? It's wall street bits wall street bets Wall Street um, it bets. currently has six million active users who post. Yeah, I am a Reddit user, but don't tell anyone. I really need a music career, and we can't be out here on Reddit. Okay, oh, don't is tell that true? Musicians can't be on Reddit. It's just like really lame to be on Reddit, and I'm sorry to everyone who uses Reddit. You guys are sometimes okay, I guess, but it's just it's just a bad look. So
1: there are like six million people. What's it like on that? Is I mean, there really some good investment advice? I mean, yeah. The
0: the thing is. Is that hedge funds do hedge fund managers do literally nothing? Investment professionals do literally nothing that I can't do with my computer in 20 minutes. The people on this site know about as much as these these people in the actual institutional marketplace do, uh, minus all the stuff that they keep hidden from the other people. Um, so if you wanted to ascribe some significance to this this event, I think this is the end of the stock market as like the boys' club. Like I think after this, smart money, smart money. Uh, asshole money goes into private equity and other stuff where the poors can't get in and the stock market crashes colossally. That's really? my prediction.
1: Really? Oh, yes. Interesting. Because
0: so. I am an Oracle and Warren Buffett and Steve jobs all in one. So nice. I clearly know what I'm talking about.
1: Oh, that's good. The, uh, you know, it's funny you ragging about uh hedge funds and that they don't do anything. EFT rags about private equity. y'all well, guys like me. No. Likewise. Yeah. None of y'all do anything. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That's very fair. That's very fair. So, Anyway, this is so this is interesting. Episode eight on the podcast, we had Sarah Catalan on, and she's a swing trader. I mean, she wakes up in the morning, goes in front of her computer, she trades stocks, she kind of has a screening tool, but she does some fundamental work. She does a lot of biotech stuff. So she'll look, she'll see that they've got a test coming up, you know, a trial of some sort. And anyway, she does that. Literally, that's how she feeds her family, right? And uh, what's interesting, Goldman Sachs came out in a research report like two weeks ago and said that people like Sarah, people like Robinhood, make up one third of the market today. And I mean, with that kind of purchasing power, you literally can go toe to toe with hedge fund guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really think that's what's happening, and I think anyone who thinks that's what's happening is a little bit, little bit idealistic. I mean, fundamentally, like this is hedge fund versus hedge fund. Retail discovered the play, maybe, um, and maybe like drove initial interest in it. Uh, but fundamentally, this is this is institutional money versus other institutional money, and we're just like on top, getting shredded whichever way it goes.
1: Uh so so one big hedge fund went way, way short. Retail figures something out, starts the flood, and now all the institutions are duking it out.
0: Yeah, I mean like, look at what happened today. Like, they shut down Robinhood, basically. Oh, no, it's limited trading. You can buy one share. Like, fundamentally, the, these places, it's very difficult for them to lose money to, to individual people. Um, and I mean, the individual investors, quote unquote, who are going to make money out of this were already rich at the beginning. This is, I, I there is definitely going to be some wealth transfer and some new thing coming out. But anyone who has, like, sort of idealistic grand narratives about what this is. Uh, this this is just what happens sometimes. This is 08. The Big Short was discovered by an institution, or sorry, a retail guy. Um, but it it didn't stay that way. He he's not going to be the only one that makes money off of this.
1: You know, kind of the irony of all ironies in this is Dodd Frank, the bill that was set up to help you know level the playing field, make trading fair, uh, more transparent, and the like. You know, forces uh, most futures, contracts, and the like to be exchange cleared so that everybody can see it and all. One of the things it did was the posting of collateral. And so, I mean, the squeeze on Robinhood right now is when you go buy 100 shares, it's T plus two, right? It settles in two days. So you technically don't have to pay for two days. Well, Robinhood has to go out and find those two shares for you. And when they do... Robinhood actually has to post the price of those two shares or those hundred shares for two days. And it's a formula based on volatility and other stuff. And then when they can take your money, they're able to take their margin back. And the problem was this was so incredibly volatile. And there's also, I believe in that formula, a concentration factor that Robinhood was having to shell out just tons and tons of money. That's why they borrowed all the money from the bank. That's why they're raising a billion dollars and all that. So it truly is kind of you know, Dodd-Frank. And what did make the, the market more secure, because now there's collateral. The person that gave you the two shares doesn't have to worry about them getting paid because the money's posting there at the exchange, is what caused the squeeze on Robinhood, which caused the squeeze on the little guys. Um, I mean, that's the reason they had to say you can't buy anymore. That's why they were okay with you selling, but because they don't have to post margin when you sell. Um, and the fact
0: that that the, the company that has a very large stake in Robinhood is the one who is short on GameStop shares. And I mean, I'm not suggesting a conspiracy here, like so there Citadel. was a genuine, liter- uh, sorry, there was a genuine liquidity crisis, but Citadel was an investor and Melvin is an investor in Melvin, whatever the hedge fund was called. Right. And um, there's some, there's some thought that they assumed a good portion of the short position themselves um, because they were going to have to pay it anyway as the market maker. So, so, so as ostensibly, an a- assuming these hedge funds ran out of money.
1: Yeah. So as the eighteen-year-old who's been investing, and to your credit, man, you were all over Bitcoin. What, like five, six years ago? We'll uh, we'll post to the website the article about uh about you trading. Please Bitcoin. don't. Okay, never mind. Thank you. <laughs> but um, so you you've been pretty savvy about watching. Is this the end of Robinhood? I mean, you got to shut your Robinhood account and go to a different platform, right? If they're going to do this to you. Um. Yeah. I mean. I just think this is
0: the end of stock trading. Like that—that's my take. Like, there, there are two. Like, okay. First off, if you listen to me, you're dumber than I am. And I have a thousand dollars in credit debt. I did not pay off uh, to buy a share of GameStop at three hundred and twenty dollars a share. So, just getting that out of the way. That, but, that's true.
1: The digital wildcatter lawyers are on the other line, going, "This is not investment advice." yeah forward-looking statements are not based on past performance yeah Uh, i got my first
0: first driver's license like three hours ago so (laughs) um but basically there there are one of two ways this this turns out like in my view um one the market like manages to somehow recover this without either putting a whole bunch of retail investors out of what little money they had to invest in stocks um and that could look like stealth selling, after hours, doing some even weirder stuff we haven't seen yet. Um, there's been pretty obvious market man- market manipulation, particularly in the media, with all of these articles talking about short positions being covered that were not. Um, it may have been covered for that particular company, but it likely went to someone else. This isn't like a conspiracy. Um, it's just that short interest is still above 100% at this current moment, as far as we know. Um, so one, the market somehow manages to unwind itself without imploding one direction or the other, um, in which case probably the SEC does something, buys out all shares at like $1,000 dollars a share. That's a little bit of a bold prediction. I have no idea how any of this works um, but I think I think the the thing that very well could happen if this short squeeze continues further on is you're going to be looking at like 08 but worse um, in the coming weeks because, once these shorts have to pay out, and it, no matter who they're paying out to, whether it's an, another investment firm, whether it's retail investors, um, they're going to have to liquidate a lot of assets to do that. And if they're completely depleted, like some of these firms are going bankrupt, their insurance is going to have to do that, and they're going to have to start liquidating assets. And because of how incredibly over-leveraged this entire thing is, this is like the the scene in that movie about the big short where like he pulls the one block out. Like, I think you could see constantly triggering waves of selling um, across all of this. And the money is going to go somewhere else. Um, I'm not like naive, like the Fed is still printing an incredible amount of money and all that money has to make rich people money. Otherwise, why else would they be doing it? Um, But it's going to come out of the stock market and it's going to be incredibly weird time. I have no idea what will happen, but that's my take.
1: No, and one other point that I want to make that we made the other night on Clubhouse when me and Energy Credit were uh, sitting there having kind of our oil and gas wrap session. Uh, One of my former LPs that worked for a large Texas uh, employee's pension fund was there. She said it shouldn't be lost on people that the hedge fund manager still has the house in the Hamptons, still owns a share of... A sports team still drives a Ferrari and all that good stuff. The actual hedge fund, the money that's managed, the investors there, firefighters, teachers, city workers, federal workers, i.e. it's the big pension funds. Other hedge funds. funds. I mean, but, like yes, there
0: are pension funds that are involved in this and there are people's salaries no, that are. No, but I'm involved just saying this, the money but,
1: the hedge fund is managing. We it's not it's not, you know, the the general partner of the hedge fund It's not all his or her money. Yes, he's he's getting. All right, I'm not trying to be snide there. The uh, but no, I mean they're managing billions of dollars, and those are pension plans, their foundations, their endowments. You know. Um.
0: Yeah. So, I'm not sure like what you're trying to get across here. I do understand like sort of like the the general like eat the rich sentiment. Maybe a little bit. Uh, not what's actually happening, which I kind of acknowledged earlier. But simultaneously, like like we know that 90% of the stocks in the marketplace are owned by people, uh, owned by the top 10% of the American population. Like that's kind of how that works. Um, like a lot of people don't even have pension plans. The people with the pension plans are the lucky ones. The people who are gambling on this stock, putting everything they own into it for fear or like for hope of an impending short squeeze. Those are the people who don't even have a pension planned. So yes, this is an incredibly strange situation. That's not as simple as anyone wants to make it out to be. Um, but I think people are a little quick to like stupid pores are hurting themselves about this. Like the economics are pretty sound of what people are doing or were at least in the past today, it's like,
1: I have no idea what's happening. Um, yeah. No, so uh, anyway, cool you to come on and uh, and walk us through all this. The one other point I'll throw in that's kind of fascinating for listeners to think about is back to that Goldman Sachs comment about one third of the market being, let's call it retail, let's call it you know Sarah Catalans of this world, swing traders, day traders, whatever we want to say. The wild thing for me is there's no conduit to those people. None of the large investment banks, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, none of them know who these people are, how to reach them. And so and so, it's wild that it has popped up on Reddit. It's popped up on Twitter and the like. And that still the primary way of issuing securities by large corporations is an oligopoly of the banks. And instead of going to the whole market, now it only goes to two-thirds which is an interesting dynamic because the big trend I see coming out of this is somebody figures out how to go to tech company IPO instead of using the big boy investment banks. They get a pathway into the one third and it's like, that's when we cut the investment banks out. So, I think the war's just kind of started. You know, you've got retail going against hedge funds, and you're right, other hedge funds piled in, piled on. It's going to be real interesting when corporate America is not held captive by investment banks. Mm. So, cool. You want to give a plug out to your music real quick?
0: No. What I want to do is uh, Lay it on us. Is
1: give the little speech that
0: you never gave me the segue for. You said you would. Okay, so. Thank you.
1: Okay. No, I. I thought uh, you were going there. Well, no, I I thought I started with the, you know, 18-year-old retail investor. Tell us what's up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so mindset of uh, the retail investor? Lay it on us.
0: I'm not going to explain to you the mind of a retail investor. If you're one of those fat cat Wall Street types listening to this podcast, why don't you go ask your partner how the mind of a retail investor works? Because they're probably seeing one on the side because you fucking suck and everyone hates you. You fuckers are the reason that everything is going to shit. You are the reason everything went to shit in 08. This is not retail's fault. This is not the people who work for a living's fault. This is yours. Uh, go follow Drabav on Instagram and Spotify. Um, D-R-A-B-A-V-E period. D-R-A-B-A-V dot E-E. Thank you very much.
1: I love it. Charlie Yates, I love you a bunch. Thank you for coming and doing this
0: um yeah thanks to our guest chuck yates everybody <laughs> That's right, charlie yates podcast. needs a record deal peace out i have a little bit of investment and advice uh put money into my band you can cut that part out.